Hey, it's Alan Carter. Here's what's on the podcast today. Boom goes the Dynamite AG's report into Ontario's response to COVID-19. Hey, who's in charge? And should Doc Williams stick around? Colin Furness, the epidemiologist, is with me. The deputy leader of the Ontario NDP will join me. Let's crack the big book and get to it. Damning. Absolutely damning. Mark down where you were today. Because this is where I think things are going to change in this province. There has long been concerns about who is really in charge of our response to COVID-19. And there's been, you know, those on the sidelines saying, I don't know about this. There's been me on this radio station in this time slot day after day saying some of this doesn't add up. And now we have a report from Ontario's Auditor General that lays it bare. Here is the key takeaway. There is so much noise going on today. Maybe you're distracted by barbecue defiance and coleslaw filled with COVID. Maybe that is where your eye is. Maybe this afternoon when the provincial government comes out and says, here's what you can do for Christmas, maybe. Maybe get together, but I don't know, maybe now we'll wrap it up with a bow. Maybe that's where your mind is going to be, but I'll tell you where it should be. It should be right here. It should be on the summary page of the new report from the Auditor General, where the Auditor summarizes her findings on Ontario's response to COVID. Finding number one, the Chief Medical Officer of Health and other public health officials did not lead Ontario's response to COVID-19. I just let that, let you, let that ferment for just a moment there. Because that is incredibly important. The Chief Medical Officer of Health and public health officials are not leading Ontario's response to COVID-19. So who's in charge? So when we hear the Premier say, I just, there's no light between me and Dr. Williams here, the Chief Medical Officer of Health. I only do what he says. The Auditor General says, the good doctor is not in charge. And the Minister of Health came out this morning, and this was an extraordinary press conference, and said this about the report. Today's Auditor General's report is a disappointment and in many respects, a mischaracterization of the province's pandemic response. A mischaracterization. We need to back up for just one moment here because I got to explain to you a couple of things. Who is the Auditor General and who is in that role right now? It's important to notice to note this. So the Auditor General is an independent officer of the legislature. And what that means is that that office is not answerable to any political master. It can go into any office, into any part of the government, and say, I want to see your documents, I want to see your books, I want to read everything. And the government is compelled to do so and hand over that information. Auditors mostly keep an eye on, as you would expect, the bottom line, the books, how the money is being spent. Every year, this auditor will put out a report on value for money and take a look at a bunch of different areas in the government, say, like, how are we spending money? Are we getting value for money? But the auditor can also just go and pick things 
that the auditor wants to look at, whether it's investigating long-term care or whether it's in investigating, I don't know, the sale of the 407. The auditor can just say, I want to look at that. And this auditor, Bonnie Lissick, has decided to look at the COVID response. Now, Bonnie Lissick, this is the other important thing to notice to note here. Bonnie Lissick is the current Ontario Auditor General, has been in that role for a number of years, many years, through the Liberal governments, through Kathleen Wynne's government, and has been at loggerheads with the Liberals previously. You you may know that Bonnie Lissick really got into the weeds with deficit numbers and whether or not pension assets should be counted on the black side or on the red side, and all of that led to a, a situation where the liberal government was saying, well, the deficit is A, but Bonnie Lissick is saying, no, no, it's way higher, it's B, and that led to the progressive conservatives and Doug Ford saying, well, they're lying, they're lying about the deficit. And then after the election, of course, Doug Ford, you know, Let's get a committee together and look for that money. And where where is all the cash? Co- Turns out nothing. It was there's no money lost. It's just an accounting thing. That's your background on who the auditor general is. So let's get to the main question, though, because it is so key here. Who is in charge? Back to you, Christine Elliott, Deputy Premier and Minister of Health. We have always followed Dr. Williams' advice. Uh, there, there might be a couple of small issues where we've, we've discussed some potential small changes with him. Small changes, but we've always, always listened to his advice. Let's get into the report and what it actually says. This is from the report directly. The Chief Medical Officer of Health, Dr. David Williams, did not fully exercise his powers. He did not issued directives to local medical officers of health to ensure public health units responded consistently. For instance, it was the province, not the chief medical officer, that finally issued an emergency order in early October 2020 to require masking for the general public. There is so much to look at in this report, but this is the key. If public health, if the chief medical officer of health is not leading the response to COVID-19 in the province, who is? Who's making the decisions? From deeper in the report, we learned that the chief medical officer of health did not chair any meetings in the terms of reference for the table, the command table, were never updated to reflect the chief medical officer of health as co-chair. And the auditor looked at it and said, <clears throat> pardon me, said, this command table has ballooned. It's got like hundreds and hundreds of members on it. And it doesn't even list the medical officer of health as the co-chair. Who is listening to William? What is he saying? And then there's this. The government wants to say anything that Dr. Williams says we listen to, except for we don't get to know what Dr. Williams is recommending. Here's a great question from the Globe and Mail's Laura Stone. And you spoke about um, about Dr. Williams making his recommendations public. That's just simply not the case. He does not do that. So is the government now going to lay it out all on the table and actually tell the public what is being recommended at at these brawling health tables that we're reading about. 
Absolutely, because we have been following his recommendations. Dr. Williams does speak several times a week uh, about the uh, the work that he's doing, the uh, recommendations that he's prepared to make. We uh, have had a very open discussion about the situation that all of the 34 public health units are in. That is the Minister of Health responding to a question from Laura Stone from the Globe and Mail. Even though the minister contends that Dr. Williams' recommendations are out there for everyone to see. The truth of the matter is that is not the case. If you know anything about the imposition of the new color-coded framework, you will know that we did got, did not get to know what the recommendations were. It wasn't until a whistleblower spoke up, reported in the Toronto Star, saying, wait a minute, we recommended the guidelines the framework to be much, much different in terms of when we go into red or when we go into lockdown. And the government had to back down on it. And there was a prime example where it appeared from the outside to be the government saying, yeah, thanks, Doc, appreciate that. Um, We're going to do this instead. Except for we didn't get to hear about it. We didn't get to find out about it. And now we get to read it in the Auditor General's report. And listen to this. Later, in the same press conference, again, asked about this whole recommendation business about, you know what, Dr. Williams, he does not tell us what the recommendations are. He says that is cabinet confidentiality, and he can't tell us. Well, Dr. Williams is doing that out of deference. He understands that his responsibility is to provide his recommendations to us and to government. And if that changes, then then he will do so accordingly. However, I can assure you we have been following his recommendations and uh, will continue to do so in the future. That is the Minister of Health trying to explain that the, minute, that the guy in charge, the medical officer of health, out of deference to the cabinet? That is why he won't publicly let us know what his recommendations are so we can say, wait a minute, that doesn't appear to be what the government is actually doing. And here is where the plot really thickens, folks. Dr. Williams, his tenure as medical officer of health, scheduled to expire in February. On Monday of this week, the provincial government attempted to get unanimous consent from all parties, which is required, to extend Dr. Williams' tenure into October. And when the NDP and the Liberals said, absolutely not, we're not given that unanimous consent. And keep in mind, this is previous to the opposition having seen the report. You've got to figure that at this point, at, by Monday, the government knows what's in this. They know what's coming. So first of all, they tried to slip this one past, and the, and the opposition says no. And then last night, the government attempted to push it through again in a late-night sitting to extend Dr. Williams' tenure prior to the release of this report. Why would they do such a thing? I understand the government is doubling down on it. They're saying, we're sticking with, this is our guy, we're sticking with him. Here's the central question, though, coming out of today, and why I said, 
remember where you were today, because today, the question about trust in the Ford government, how can we trust the Ford government when Doug Ford comes up there and says, I just listened to this guy. This is the guy I listened to. And now we have a report that says that guy isn't doing his job. Back to the Minister of Health. We got through a wave one with Dr. Williams' recommendations. We are not experts on public health. I'm not. The Premier is not. Dr. Williams is, and he has a group of people with him on the public health measures table who are experts on public health. And I think it would be reasonable to assume for anyone that we would need to rely on public health experts when we're dealing with a public health crisis. And we have relied on Dr. Williams, and we hope to continue to rely on him uh, until we get through wave two, and hopefully that will be the last wave. That is Christine Elliott, the Minister of Health, talking about Dr. Williams and why the government says it will continue with Dr. Williams in his role. The Auditor General's report on Ontario's COVID response is the story of the day. It is a bombshell report. The Auditor General is speaking at Queen's Park, and I can tell you from some experience, having covered the Auditor for many, many years uh, in my previous role as Queen's Park Bureau Chief, right now, reporters are pulling out their hair trying to figure out how they can get a possible clip. This is where you're basically, especially if you're a broadcast journalist like I am, you're looking for something that is maybe 15 to 25 seconds in duration, and it sums up a nice idea. Uh, and uh, Ms. Lissick, for all of her Auditor General skills, speaking in clips is not something that she does particularly well. She is uh, responding to the response, responding to the response of the government, which has said that her government or her report mischaracterized the response of the Ontario government and contained factual errors, and she said that she was somewhat surprised to hear the Deputy Premier respond that way. Here's something from the report, just absolutely key, when talking about Dr. David Williams, who is the current Medical Officer of Health for Ontario. Local Medical Officers of Health informed us, this is again from the Auditor General's report, Local Medical Officers of Health informed us that they were confused by provincial politicians delivering critical public health advice in place of the Chief Medical Officer of Health. Stand by in about 35 minutes. It's the Daily Dofo Show back up again. And sometimes the Chief Medical Officer of Health is with him, but that messaging, the messaging comes from politicians in this province, not the Chief Medical Officer of Health, and that's considerably different than other provinces. On the line is Dr. Colin Furness, who's an epidemiologist and has been an outspoken critic of Dr. Williams in the past. Uh, Welcome, doctor. What do you make of this report? Well, it really is vindicating in a sense. We've been in the dark trying to connect dots to understand the decision-making by the province and the communication strategy. And a lot of us have been saying since about May, we don't see where the expertise is in informing the decision-making. And that's been really concerning. So I think to have the smoking gun now, it's all open, it's all transparent, it's all on the table now, it explains a lot. It's distressing. This has caused a lot of harm and death to Ontario. 
trains. It's not a question of making a mistake. It's a sustained pattern of excluding expertise and treating this like a political problem uh, while people are getting sick and dying. This, this is really distressing. The, I, I'm noting as uh, we're talking the uh, Twitter feed coming from the Queen's Park uh, Press Gallery as the uh, auditor is talking. And the auditor was asked, is this about Dr. Williams in particular or a structural issue with Ontario's response? And the auditor said to that, it would not be hard to create a consistent response. And so that seems to lay it directly at the feet of Dr. Williams in particular. Well, his, the articles of his office are very clear. He is supposed to act independently of government, specifically independently of the Minister of Health, independently of government. In times of emergency, he is supposed to take the initiative. That's what his job description says. And he's done very much the opposite. Uh, he's, he's inserted himself or become inserted as a cog, a small cog in a really big apparatus. His communication skills are poor, yes, but that's actually not the main problem. The main problem is that the decision-making that happens is not based in science. It's not based in, in public, sound public health practice. He got up and talked about a few weeks ago and talked about reopening everything on the same day we hit a record in cases, and he called it harm reduction. Now, for anyone in public health, that is beyond offensive. It is, it's negligent, and it's, it's absolutely, it's, it's a shame. It's a real shame. The, the Minister of Health, very strong uh, in her support of the doctor in her press conference. Uh, I will expect the same from Doug Ford this afternoon. Uh, w- what does that say to you? Well, I think he's been very convenient for them because they want to control the the, the response. They are treating it, and you alluded to this in your remarks, they're treating it as a political problem. Um, I measured in July uh, CBC coverage um, in every province and looked at the proportion that was was, um, oriented to the medical officer of health versus the elected politician. In Ontario, 80% of news communications were from the elected politicians. That's by far the highest in the country. So I think if if you're Mr. Ford, um, and if you're Ms. Elliott, uh, then this is the perfect chief medical officer of health to have because he can be manipulated into a corner, uh, and, and I think that's what they've done. I've talked about before this sort of schism that was you know, apparent to all of us watching it, this sort of schism between the health table and whoever is on the health table, uh, and physicians and doctors and experts such as yourself and, and some others who have raised questions. Is this only going to deepen that? Is there a way out of this where we can, and I hate to sound kumbaya here, but where we can all come together and start singing from the same songbook? It's hard to imagine. I mean, I, I, I wish, I wish there, I wish there were. Um, I think Dr. Williams needs to leave his post. I, I absolutely think he needs to leave his post. And then, if we had someone, um, a real public health leader, and there's many many excellent candidates in Ontario who would not be at the table or under the table or near the table, but would actually be apart from it, um, really telling the government what its priorities need to be, um, using a veto, using a bully pulpit. This is the way to go, To, in other words, to nudge and, and cajole the government into, into sound decision-making. That's what we need, no question. And, uh, but it's hard to imagine how we're going to get there, because even if Dr. Williams does leave, and he doesn't seem to want to, um, even if he does, it's it's going to be Mr. Ford and Ms. Elliott who end up anointing his successor. You, you don't, um, or I guess I'll ask you your, your reaction to the response from Doug Ford, who said, you know, he's a great dance partner. And then, of course, Christine Elliott, who, you know, sort of said, you, you don't change jockeys in the middle of the race. 
No, but you change generals in the middle of the war. If you have an incompetent general, you get rid of them and you put in a general who, who, who can win. That's pretty normal. So I don't know why we would use a jockey metaphor. We're at war and he's a general and he's a general who's um, he's, he's committing his troops into losing strategies again and again. So that's the metaphor I prefer and we do need to switch. Uh, are we putting too much attention on, on the good doctor? I mean, did, look at look at the structural problems here. I, I, I think you know, you allude to this that any way you slice it, um, the provincial government has a uh, ha, has a majority, and it will choose the successor if it chooses to actually change who the medical officer of health is. A strong chief medical officer of health would keep the government in check and and would be it would be the dog wagging the tail rather than the tail wagging the dog which is really what we've got and and that's i think that's i think at the core of it we need a strong leader who will say no you can't do this you must protect the health of ontarians you cannot misrepresent you must pay attention to science you must you must actually follow basic public health policy to protect people that's what we need a, a chief medical officer of health to say and that discord can happen in the background that does not need to happen in public. That can happen behind closed doors. And uh, and then Mr. Ford can come out and pretend to control the situation. I'm, I'm fine with that. He can pretend to control all he wants. I, we just need to have the, the, the decision-making absolutely yoked, absolutely tied to expertise in public health. Dr. Colin Furness, always great to have you on. Thank you so much for your perspective today. My pleasure. Thank you. That is Dr. Colin Furness, who's an epidemiologist, and as I said in the introduction, he has uh, been a critic of the Ford government and of Dr. Williams uh, in the past. And as he says, that this Auditor General's report that dropped today is somewhat of a vindication. It is no longer just doctors outside the house ta- uh, out the, outside the health table appearing like they're sniping. Here, for an example, I will tell you something from the report very quickly. And this explains part of what the auditor is saying about Dr. Williams. Let's take you back to March. On March 9th, the Chief Public Health Officer of Canada recommended Canadians avoid all cruise ship travel because of COVID-19. March 11th, the WHO declared COVID-19 to be a pandemic. March 11th as well... Alberta's chief medical officer of health recommended that anyone over the age of 65 with chronic health conditions not travel outside of Canada and that anyone else should think carefully about their travel plans. On March 12th, the health officer in B.C. also discouraged all non-essential travel. On March 12th, in Ontario, we were advised to go away and enjoy March break. Who's in charge Who's in charge of the response to public, uh, in charge in the response to COVID-19? Is it public health? Is it doctors? Or is it politicians? Who is in charge of Ontario's response to COVID-19? A damning new report from Ontario's Auditor General says it is not public health. It is not the Chief Medical Officer of Health who is leading the way and making the decisions that affect our lives. In fact, what the report has found is that Dr. David Williams, who is the Medical Officer of Health, is often not either at meetings, is not listed as the co-chair, Often his role is not defined. Others don't realize uh, the, the rank that he has. 
This is from the AG's report, and I want to read this to you because I think it is so important what we're talking about here. This is not an esoteric discussion about power sharing or anything else or about who's in charge of the AG or anything else. This is about people's lives. It's about people's lives. On March 18th, this is from the report, an associate medical officer of health at one of the public health units in Ontario emailed the chief medical officer of health, Dr. David Williams, saying that requiring long-term care home workers to wear masks at all times while in the facility was an urgent priority. That's March 18th. No immediate action was taken province-wide. On that same day, the first COVID-19 outbreak at an Ontario long-term care home occurred. And it was not until well over two weeks later, on March 30th, that the Chief Medical Officer of Health revised the directive for long-term care homes, and we know what happened in the wake of that. John Vantoff is the Deputy Leader of the Ontario NDP and joins me on the line. John, what does this report say to you? Uh, Well, for months now, we've seen the Premier every day at 1 o'clock saying that, you know what, they are Dr. Williams and the public health is calling the shots and they are, and this report is showing that that is not the case, that Dr. Williams, uh, the public officer of health, is in fact uh, an advisor and that the Cabinet and the Premier called the shots. And what's really concerning is that the public never actually gets to see the advice that Dr. Williams, the Chief Medical Officer of Health, is actually giving the Premier. There's hard decisions being made, but the public needs to see what the Chief Medical Officer of Health is advising the people who actually are making. The Premier is making life and death decisions in a pandemic, and people need to see the advice he's being given. I want to get back to the recommendations because that was a key part of the press conferences that happened this morning. But before I get to that, can we talk about the motion that was put forward in the House on Monday asking for unanimous consent to extend the tenure of Dr. Williams? And then last night there was a debate and the government attempted to use its majority to actually extend the tenure to October. Dr. Williams is slated to retire in February, where did that end up, and what do you make of that? Exactly. So the so the government at the at, at in, in our opinion be, tried to before this report came out. They knew what was in this report. They uh, talked to the Auditor General before the report becomes public, and in an attempt to beat the report, they tried to extend the mandate of the of the Chief Medical Officer of Health. Uh, by trying to force it through the legislature. Actually, they debated it till midnight last night and with repeated procedural tactics to try and get it through before uh, before this report came out. But the, did that happen? They, they didn't get the no. vote. It was adjourned, was no. it not? Yes. Yes, it will, it will come to the legislature again. Okay, so, so it comes and, back to the legislature, but... Uh, the, let me understand the, the procedure here in terms of... Because this is... Uh, because this is a provincial appointment, then it has to actually pass the legislature so the government can actually use its majority and vote it through at any point? Yes, the government could. But the issue, the issue is we have got a, the Auditor General saying that that this appointment should be reviewed, and and as it should be. It should be reviewed. Um, Dr. Williams should have the chance to... to, to, to 
um, answer questions before uh, a committee of the government as, as part of the appointment process, and the government is trying to skirt around that. And basically, because I think they don't, we think they don't like some of the questions that are going to be asked or perhaps some of the answers. They're asking us as the official opposition to look the other way regarding the Auditor General's report, regarding the, what role what role the Chief Medical Officer of Health should play and what decisions that the government, that the Premier and Cabinet have made. And they, we, we are doing everything we can to make sure that this isn't simply... Um, rubber stamped. That's what the government wants. They want to rubber stamp this. We want a review of this reappointment. Should Dr. Williams continue? Um, quite frankly, at this point, we don't know. Uh, we have been told by the Premier that he's acting on Dr. Williams' advice or in Dr. Williams, but we actually haven't seen Dr. Williams' advice. So we don't know. It, and it's and And we don't know we don't know who is. Um, we don't know at the end who is calling. Who is calling the shots here? Is Dr. Williams using his full power, or is the premier simply bullying him? On the recommendation front, uh, Dr. Williams has said repeatedly when asked, because he is asked repeatedly over and over again by reporters, by journalists, what his recommendations are to cabinet. And he says that that's cabinet conf- confidentiality, that he cannot reveal that. Um, what's your take on that? Oh, so his, his recommendations his, as the chief medical officer of health should, are, are for public safety, and those recommendations should be public. And whatever decisions the cabinet makes on, on those that could be subject to cabinet, cabinet confidentiality, but the recommendations of the chief medical officer of health regarding people's health in a life and death situation, which we have lost lives tragically, and we continue to leave, lose lives in long-term care, though and in other areas, those recommendations should be public. Where do we go from here, John? Um, I'm, I'm, I'm deeply concerned about this uh, on, on a couple of fronts. Obviously, there are the concerns about the, that the auditor has. But is the greater concern now that, that now we, again, we have now a, another combatant in this fight over, you know, who's in charge, what's the best way forward? We have a Greek chorus of epidemiologists and doctors who are not on the health table saying, no, no, that's not the right way, and the government saying this. Meanwhile, we got, you know, defiant barbecue patrons in Etobicoke all of it adds up to, you know, not clear communication on what we should do at all. And, and that is the biggest part of the problem. Uh, the, the, the government is being the lead communicator, the premier, every day at 1 o'clock, and there are many conflicting messages coming out. And be, because, again, because the chief medical officer of health, his recommendations aren't made public. If they were made public, then other people, other people are qualified, could say okay, we we disagree with this, but here's here's they could have they could have an informed discussion on how to make it better for everyone. But when would, you but you would John would you would you, sorry to interrupt, but you would agree that this at the end of the day should be a political consideration in terms of you take the advice from the doctor, then you weigh public, you know, you you weigh economic health, and that decision essentially does rest with the politician. The the decision at the end of the day, rests with the politicians. But in a public 
uh, health crisis like we are now with COVID-19, the public has the right to know what the chief medical officer of health and the medical officers of health across the province, what their recommendations are. This isn't normal times. We are in an emergency situation. People, you know, right now we're going through a second wave of COVID through long-term care. And, you know, the, the, the first wave we were caught by surprise, the second wave we shouldn't. So we should know, we should know what the medical officers of health have, have decreed. And then we can judge at the end of the day, we can judge whether or not, you know, the, the, uh, the leaders have made the right or wrong decisions, or at least we can judge what they're basing these decisions on. John Van Toff is the Deputy Leader of the Ontario NDP. John, great to talk to you. Thanks for coming on today. Yeah, talk to you there. Well, that is really, over the course of this hour, really only one portion of the Auditor General's report on the response to COVID-19 that I've delved into. I really wanted to focus in on the leadership because I think that that, to me, is the key, key thing that comes out of this report today. That's the podcast for today. Don't forget to catch the Alan Carter Show weekdays starting at noon.